Let's turn to the scriptures, please. Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. We're still in the theme, the riches of the new covenant. I guess this is part 16, although, as I said, all of them could be really listened to individually. And certain things can be picked up as a theme. Acts chapter 18, just a few verses. Uh, Verse... 24, please. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak, speak boldly in the synagogue, And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray. Father, take your word now and inscribe it on our hearts. Take your word and imprint it upon our minds. And Lord, would you reveal to us afresh and anew the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us see him, Lord. Let us see him. Even as we sang earlier, let us see him. Father, we just ask you now to shut us in with yourself and speak to every life and heart. Lord, in the way that you see fit, draw them, speak to them, encourage them. And Lord, if there's even one here that has not yet come to saving faith, we pray that you would speak to their heart and save them for time and eternity. We'll worship you and we love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 24 speaks of a man called Apollos. You know, Apollos' name means destroyer, to destroy destruction. Strange name, isn't it? And you'll find it in the book of Revelation, actually. John speaks of Apollyon, and that's another derivative of his name. And really Apollyon or Apollos, it gives the idea of a a pagan or a heathen deity. Yet here we're told that this man with the name, he's been saved, born again. In other words, he's come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a further walk, there's a deeper avenue for this man to enter. In other words, salvation is not just a prayer or walk up the aisle. I'm saying nothing about Uh, altar calls because I was saved under an altar call but it's not about walking up an aisle it's not about cleaning up a life it's not about raising up a hand or bowing at an altar whatever whatever we we like to term it or even saying a little sinner's prayer salvation is knowing the word of God entering your heart and it starts to change your life starts to move in you the spirit of God speaks to you shows you the word Shows you the Christ of the word. And of course when you receive him by faith. It's not by works. It's not by what we can do. Nor who we are. Nor where we can go. Or it's not about doing pilgrimages. It's about nothing only by faith. Grace through faith. Accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. His death on the cross. His blood is enough. And of course believing that God has raised him from the dead. Accepting that. That he has paid your debt. Once and for all. In full. When he cried, it is finished, that means pet and food. Now salvation enters when we repent of our sin 
and Christ enters in. If I can say that to be quite plainly, um, uh, to speak quite plainly to you this morning. But notice in this there's another going on with God. God doesn't want the Christian just to sit as a baby Christian. And the riches of the new covenant as we are going through them every Sunday... Every morning, you should get them, download them, listen to them, get the Bible out during the week, and you'll understand who you are in Christ, what God wants for your life, and the Lord will lead you in that direction. The Lord will speak to you. You'll also be found that you'll have confidence, not in yourself, but in him. Confidence to pray, knowing who you are in the Lord. For example, last week was we are hid with Christ in God, knowing we're right at the heart of the Father, because we are in Christ. You know, we've looked at accepted in the beloved. We're doing an alphabetical order of things of the riches of the new covenant. Today I want to look at the letter I. The letter I is instructed in the way of the Lord. I means instructed in the way of the Lord. If you were to look at our reading, verse 25, it says of Apollos, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Okay. I just want to open these up a little and we'll do instructed in the way of the Lord in a moment. But look at what it says about him this morning. This is more like a Bible study, I suppose. But it says that he was in verse 24 that Apollos was an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. Notice, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. Notice, the man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Then, being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Knowing only the baptism of John. Now that's strange. We need to touch on that in a moment. So here's a few things that we're told about this man by the the pen of the Holy Spirit if you want. We're told that Apollos was an eloquent man. He was mighty in the scriptures. Thirdly, he was fervent in spirit. Fourthly, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. And of course, fifthly, in between that, we have instructed in the ways of the Lord. So let's just look at it for a moment. The first one we'll look at is eloquent. He was an eloquent man. The word eloquent is a word logeos. And it means a learned man. A man who has learned of letters. A man who is skilled in literature and the arts. A man who's well versed in his history. Now you know the sort of man or even the sort of woman nowadays who are like that. Maybe college professors, they're well versed in the things of antiquity. They know things, they they search things out to find it out themselves. Such was a man like Apollos. He searched out the things to see if they were so. In history, in art, everything, he was one of those men who looked into everything, had a great mind and a great intelligence. And it also means that he was rational, he was wise, And he was skilled in his speech. He knew how to talk, in other words. So secondly, this man was mighty in the scriptures. Now when we look at how he was mighty in the scriptures, we must put ourselves in the day of Acts chapter 18 here, when Apollos uh, was speaking, when he was living, when he was teaching on all the things he was doing, when he went into the synagogue. We must look here and say, well, what time was it? So what scriptures were there? The scriptures he had were the Old Testament scriptures. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, he didn't have those. All the stories of Jesus, he didn't have those. The miracles of Jesus, he didn't have those. 
He had to go back to the Old Testament. And he had the Torah, not the Talmud now, the Torah. That's Matthew, or Matthew, Mark. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the five books of Moses. And in that, he had the Ten Commandments, of course. He would have read them and studied them. He would have had the, the prophets. He would have had the Psalms. He would have had all those things concerning Christ. But he wouldn't have had the Gospels, for they won't, weren't written yet. He didn't have Paul's letters, for they weren't written yet. In fact, he had the Old Testament. And if you really think about it, Apollos was being used of Almighty God. One man is mentioned, and he's being used of Almighty God. And he's going down in the annals of history, but he's being used for our example for eternity. Think about that. This man just gets saved, and God has a plan for him. God has a purpose for him. But first he must come under the new covenant. That is the covenant of shed blood of the Lord Jesus. And God has a plan and a purpose for you. This morning as you sit here. God has a plan and a purpose. And you may not be fulfilling biblical history. But you are part of history as day follows day. You're part of God's plan and God's purpose. God has something for your life, but it's up to you to move in it, to press into it, to understand it, and to be taught in the way of it. First of all, under the blood of Christ, then learning the things of the Lord Jesus. This man here was a man of learning, but he had to learn more. Intelligence doesn't save you. And intelligence won't teach you about the person of Christ. Only the Holy Ghost does that. Intelligence won't teach you about the person of Christ. In other words, whom he is. Only the Holy Ghost will do that. Reading the word of God and the Holy Ghost speaking to you. That's what does that. This man had the Old Testament. He had, in other words, the Ten Commandments, the prophetic scriptures, and the prophetic scriptures that were concerning the coming of Messiah. But we're told this one thing. We're told he was baptized under John's baptism. Now, what, 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 what relevance has that got that the Spirit of God would put it in to Acts, the book of Acts that you and I could read it this morning? What's the big deal about that? Well, let me, let me go on a little. Apollos was aware of the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah. Apollos knew that the Messiah would come from God. And Apollos knew Messiah would be God. And Apollos knew through the Old Testament, this is going to happen. This is going to be fulfilled. See, God speaks and it happens. God speaks and it comes to pass. And Apollos looking at this, he sees it and, uh, and he sees all to do with it. But he hears a preacher coming one time and realizes that Bible prophecy has been fulfilled. And people may say to you, what's the use in knowing Bible prophecy? What's the use in you telling me what the Bible says lies in the future? Book of Revelation and all these sort of things and the second coming of the Lord Jesus. What's the use in trying to work these things out and know them? Or what's the use in looking at fulfilled prophecy from history? I.e. the book of Daniel and other books. What is the use in going through that? Let me tell you the use is this. That the Bible prophecy showing to be said before it happens. And then when it happens we look back and see the word of God is completely true. 
You know what that means? Then you can trust it. If you see Bible prophecy fulfilled, then you can trust the word of God. And those who are doubting the word of God, doubting the person of Christ, doubting the things that he did, doubting the miracles, doubting the moving of the Holy Spirit in today's church, doubting will Christ return, look at the word of God, look at fulfilled prophecy and say, the Lord said it there, they doubted then, but it came to pass here, and we're so blessed to see it being fulfilled now. You can trust God. If you and I cannot trust God for keeping his covenants, and if we cannot trust God for fulfilling his prophetic word, then you and I can't trust him for our salvation. Think about it. If God can break his promise, and if God can break his word to you, and if God can move outside his word, i.e. our Bibles here, if God can do that, then God can break his promise to you and I for salvation. Forgiveness of sin. But God doesn't. God keeps his word. Apollos was looking through the Old Testament. And this man's intelligence. This man's intellect. God used this man's mind. God used this man's intelligence. To show him the things of God. To search out the things of God. In other words. You might be in a job. You might be saying, what am I doing here? What am I learning? Sometimes we do need to move and all those sort of things. But sometimes we think that the things that we are doing are coming to nothing. You know, every single time you yield yourself to the Lord, no matter what job you're in, no matter what predicament you're in, you are learning in the Lord. And you're learning for a purpose. You are learning that God can use that. At a certain date down the line. What did you learn this week? God will use it. Remember the man sitting at the receipt of custom. They called him Levi. Really his name is Matthew the disciple. He's writing everyone's name down. Counting. Writing the names. Did you pay your taxes? God used that. You know what for? God used his pen. To be able to sit with diligence. He was, and to write the very genealogy of the Lord Jesus. Knowing this, the family tree working things out. God used that. Luke was a doctor. And God used Dr. Luke for you know, that, that examination of the whole body. And he used Dr. Luke. He used him not only to write here in the book of Acts, but Luke's gospel. And again, Luke wrote the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. He was able to go into intricate details that the other gospels didn't go into. Because Luke was a doctor, he would have examined the body language more. So God can use you where you are. God can take what he is teaching you and use it for his glory down the line. Whether it's today, tomorrow, next week, I don't know. But God can use you. If you yield yourself to God, God can use you. God wants to use you. I notice this. Apollos looked for the coming of Messiah when John comes. Now here's another man preaching in the wilderness, filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And now we're reading about his ministry. He's had his head cut off. He's been executed. He's dead and buried. And his ministry carries on for God had sent it for here now. Away up in Ephesus. And around that whole region, 
people were still saved under John's baptism. And who knows what ministry you're doing now, whether it's in a children's ministry, in a youth ministry, whether it's ministering to one-to-one, an evangelism ministry. No matter what the ministry is, who knows where that ministry will reach? Only the Lord. You could be doing something now and see nothing of it. And years to come, people are getting saved or people are being blessed. And what you've, what you've submitted into, the, into the, not only the church, but into Christ, that can still have, take legs and bear wings, as we're told this morning. And that can take wings and fly to the outermost part of the earth just by starting here. Just by giving yourself to Christ. I notice this. Mark 1 and verse 3 is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Here, Apollos hears John the Baptist, the one in the wilderness, repent and believe the gospel, repent and believe the gospel, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and he comes and gets saved. John, he says, he repents and John baptizes him. And he goes on knowing the scriptures. So, If you're even to read Acts 19, we'll not go into it today, but Acts 19 verses 1 to 5. We're told Paul goes to Ephesus. And Paul finds a group of believers. This is the next chapter. And this group of believers are baptized, where? Under John's baptism. This is another group of believers and they're baptized under John's baptism. And listen to what he says to them in verse 2. And he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John very, John very baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe in him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So John's saying, Messiah's coming, repent. Messiah is coming. Get ready. Messiah is coming. You must be saved. Get ready. Repent. Baptizing them on the John. But now Paul comes and he says, Ah, there's more. Have you received the Holy Ghost yet? Here's what we thought for you. I thought we received the Holy Ghost when we got saved. There's more for you, believer. Come on, there's more for you. Have you received the Holy Ghost yet? Well, we're saved. But have you received the Holy Ghost? That's the baptism in the Spirit. He baptizes them to come out speaking in tongues. Here we have a man, Apollos learned in the Scriptures. Now Paul finds a group of them at Ephesus. And I wonder what, I wonder what influence Apollos had on this group. Then to become baptized twice, water in the Spirit. We're told that this man was an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures. See the word mighty, it means in one's own being, in one's own ways he was learned. In other words, his eloquence, his skill in literature, his speech, his his skill in arts and antiquities, his rationale and wisdom was used to be applied in the scriptures. Was used to be applied in the scriptures. In other words, God took a man full of intelligence. Now, we're also told, Paul tells us that not all of us are very intelligent. 
But God saves those people, the weak and the foolish. But here he uses a man and he says, he's an intelligent man. Saves him. The man knows the scriptures. Sees the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. In other words, he searches like a detective going from Genesis right through. And he says, Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming. John the Baptist says, I'm the forerunner. He sees him as fulfilled prophecy. He says, God's word is true. I must get ready. And he gets saved. But there's more for him and there's more for you. Now listen to this. It says he was mighty in the scriptures. For example, on the road to Emmaus after our Lord was crucified and went to the tomb. And the two on the road to Emmaus were told that the Lord appears to them, but they didn't recognize him. He was withheld from their vision. And on the road to Emmaus, he gives them a Bible study. And he spoke of the things out of the scriptures concerning himself and paraphrasing for time's sake. In other words, you know where the Lord went? Back into the Old Testament scriptures. The Lord didn't use Matthew, Mark, Luke and John for it wasn't there either. He didn't use Paul's letters. No, but He took the Old Testament scriptures and he says, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Tells him about it. And these people are blown away. Then he's known to them in the breaking of bread. And their hearts are filled and they're saying, we see Jesus alive. So it's the Old Testament scriptures. I want to flick quickly. Let's just flick through them. We're not going to really say too much about them. Unless I feel led that way, but we'll not say too much about them. Genesis chapter 3. Here is the first prophetic word of the scriptures concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. The Lord said to the serpent or the devil if you want. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. That's Eve. Between thy seed, that's the devil's seed, and her seed. Eve's seed, notice, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And here is a prophetic utterance of salvation and redemption coming. That Christ, the seed of the woman, would come and crush the devil's head at Calvary. He would set us free from our sin. He would redeem us with his precious blood. And oh, the old serpent bit at him when he was nailed to the tree. It bit, as it were, the heel of God. Nailing him to the cross through the Roman soldiers' nails and the jeers of a, a Jewish rabble were told that the, the devil used them to, to call upon or to call upon the Roman soldiers to crucify him. The heel of the seed of the woman or God on earth was bitten, but his death crushed the head of the serpent. Apollos would see this and say, is this person and God starts to reveal himself God starts to open up the scriptures as we go through them here God starts to tear away the very veil from our eyes and pull down the curtain and he says look and see me Deuteronomy chapter 18 just for time's sake we're going to flick through a couple Deuteronomy chapter 18 please and just one verse verse 15 Moses speaks of a future time Now this is his time, Moses speaks of a future time. And listen to what he says to Israel. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren. Like unto me, unto him shall you hearken. Now every commentator would tell you that Moses here is looking with the spirit of prophecy and stretching his faith and saying, the Messiah will come. 
That's another one on the Lord Jesus Christ. Apollos reading these would start to diligently search out the words and what is behind all of this? Go to Psalm 16, please. Psalm 16. There are so many of these, it would take weeks to do this alone. But go to Psalm 16. Psalm 16 and just a couple of verses. Verse 9. Now this is prophetic through David of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh shall also rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Here David is looking down the line. Speaking of the death, the burial and then the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The glorification of Christ. Seated at the right hand of the Father. In thy presence he says. Is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now at the right hand of God. We are. Remember. Hid with Christ and God. And since we are at the right hand. Or the place of power authority and control. With Christ and God. We have power in our prayer life. We have power in our worship life. We have power in our walk with God. When you are in the new covenant. And the pleasure is all of ours. He brings pleasure to the life and pleasure to the heart. And oh, who can cheer the heart like Jesus? And this verse is mentioned by Peter on the day of Pentecost, speaking of the resurrection of Christ. Apollos reads this. Thou wilt not leave leave my soul in hell or the grave, neither will I suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Who's he talking about? God's revealing himself. He's revealing his great plan and purpose. We'll not read it today. Read Psalm 22 and think of Christ on the cross. Go home and read it today and think every verse. And see Christ on the cross and see his physical, spiritual condition bearing our sin. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Apollos, he'll be searching the scriptures. He was mighty in them. His intelligence and uh, was looking through these. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. In other words, the zeal of Almighty God will make it happen. The very zeal of the Father's heart will come and sit on the throne. The very zeal of God. When you see Christ, he is the zeal of God. Christ is the very zeal of the Father's heart. And he sits upon the throne. And the zeal of the Father's heart must first be nailed to the tree. Must first be crucified for my sin and for yours. 
But the zeal of the Father is that he will come back again and sit upon the throne of David, ruling over the house of Jacob, and indeed all the world and the universe. Praise his name. Talk about Jesus, you start getting excited. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, we all know it well. Isaiah 53. I would like to have two or three weeks to do this, but unfortunately, as I'm breaking off for two weeks next after today, I don't want to have a big gap, so bear with me and I'll get finished as soon as I can. I'll just cut bits out of it. Isaiah 53 and two verses. Let's read three, three verses. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord, or Yahweh, hath laid on him his son, Yeshua, hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And here, uh, John the Baptist, the forerunner, uh, Apollo sees, he's the forerunner of the kingdom of God. He's a forerunner of Christ. This is what the scroll of Isaiah says, as Apollos diligently seeks after those things. And he sees it all come to pass. He's led as a, a lamb to the slaughter. John the Baptist cries, Behold the Lamb of God which beareth away the sin of the world. That's him. And he's the Lamb. John comes and says, Apollos, Jesus Christ has come. The Messiah has come. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. A couple of verses. Five and six. Behold, it is come, saith the Lord, that I will, raise on, I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this, and, and this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, The Lord liveth, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Here the Lord says, there's going to come a righteous one. Just one sinless, spotless, righteous one. Just one in all of Judah, in all of Israel, and in fact all of the world. He says there's going to be just one righteous one, and I will raise him up. The righteous branch. If you were to go back to, we'll not do it today, Isaiah 53. He's also, or Isaiah yeah, 53. He's also called uh, the tender plant. Growing in a dry ground, the wilderness of Judea, and rejected from, uh, rejected by by the men of Judea and the women of Judea. Yet those who God was calling, He saved their souls. Go with me to Ezekiel thirty-four, and of course you can also go to Jeremiah thirty-one verses thirty-one to thirty-three, the new covenant made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and that's where we're doing the riches of the new covenant from, but just let's go past that to Ezekiel 34. And let's just lift out a verse or two. 
Let's just lift out verse 22. Read that chapter when you go home and see the lost sheep. See you and I uh, astray in the mountains, as it were, in our sin, and the Lord sending him, his son, him coming himself to die for us. Verse 22. Therefore, says Jehovah Yahweh, therefore I will save my flock. And they shall no more be a prey. And I will judge between cattle and cattle. In other words, the Lord saying, I will go out. And I will be their savior. I will do it myself. Yahweh says, I will come. And I will do it myself. Do you know who Jesus is? He's Yahweh. That's who he is. Almighty God veiled in flesh. No less. No other. Time will tell me, time will, will restrain me from going to Daniel chapter 9. It's one of the most complicated parts of biblical literature, verses 24 to 26, 70 weeks uh, prophecy of, of the coming of Messiah. And the whole works, people look, Antichrist, Antichrist. Listen, it's not about Antichrist, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ, all of it. It's all him. I'd have to do that a different day itself. Let's go to Micah 5 and 2. Micah 5 and 2. And. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of thee shall come forth unto me. That is to be ruler in Israel. Whose going forth have been from old from everlasting. Who is he speaking about? Speaking about a baby born in Bethlehem. That wee baby was almighty God himself. And this is what, if you remember the story, the wise men used. Apollos was searching these things. Micah 7. Micah 7, verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou will perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. You know what Micah's saying? Micah's saying, the one who says he's coming, the one who says he'll come himself to save, he says, the one that the prophets have spoken about, pointed to and told us of, the one the Holy Ghost is proclaiming through the mouths of men, he says, he is coming and he will save us and he will redeem us and he will forgive us and he'll take all my sin and cast them into the depths of a sea to be remembered no more. Hallelujah. That's your sin, brother and mine. That's all the riches of the new covenant. Are you under the blood of the new covenant? Time's flowing. I'm going to have to do another week when I come back. Is that all right? I'm only touching this at the minute. You know where I want to get to, and I'll get to it another time? Gary sang, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. The Spirit spoke this morning and says, search the scriptures and you'll find me. I'm showing you, searching the scriptures, but I'm saying, Lord, open our eyes. Because this Priscilla and Aquila come to Apollos and they start to show him even more, but he's an intelligent man. He's mighty in the scriptures. What can you show me? You know what they show him? He's no Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They start to tell him about Jesus himself. Start to talk about Jesus himself. 
What did I tell you? About the man Jesus. This is what he done, Apollos. This is the miracles he did. The ones the scriptures talked about. This is him. He has come. This is he. Would I tell you about him raising the dead? Would I tell you about him healing the leper? Would I tell you about him opening the mouth of the dumb that he may speak and the, the lame being able to walk? Would I tell you about him giving a wee girl back to her parents who had died and, and a son back to a widow woman? Would I tell you about Lazarus he called out of the grave with the word flung into a tomb? It brought life to the dead. He says, would I tell you about this? Perfect one. It's good knowing the scriptures. It's good seeing the fulfilled prophecy. And it's good being saved. He says, but what did I tell you about Jesus? Let me read a couple of verses and this will finish this point. And we'll tell you about Jesus. But it's going to be in three weeks time. Zechariah chapter 6. Zechariah chapter 6. You know, I could tell you, and I've done it here many times in timelines and uh, the different versions of prophecy, and I've, I've been dogmatic in ways and other things, and I've been theologically uh, deep, if you want, and that's okay, and that's good to know the scriptures, but, but what do you tell you about Jesus? nobody like him to love him to know him, his deity, his persona his personality and how he loves you he says he's already been here and he's died John's ministry still continues he says, but that ministry is fading because we're saved through the repentance grace by faith but it's not it is Apollos let me show you something more about him that you will just fall in love with him Brother, sister, I ask you something. Are you saved yet? Well, it wouldn't be your brother or sister if I'm not yet. But have you fallen in love with him? Have you fallen in love with Jesus? Do you love him? See, see if you love him, you'll do anything for him. Go anywhere for him. You'll be faithful to him. Your heart will burn with passion for him. See, if you don't love him, you won't. You'll tick along and you'll pop in and out. But if you love him, your life will be different. Zechariah chapter 6, verses 12 to 13. And speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. He shall grow up out of his place and shall build the temple of the Lord. Who's he speaking of here? Speaking of Jesus. Jesus didn't build a new temple as in stone and brick and mortar. What's the temple? Let me tell you the temple. I'm looking at it. It's you, the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the Lord and he's building you up. He is placing you as lively or living stones in the temple of God. You know what he wants to do as well? Make you a pillar in the house of God. Make you a pillar. If you love him, you'll be a pillar. 
Verse 13. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord and he shall bear the glory. Hallelujah. And shall sit and rule upon his throne and he shall be a priest upon the throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. Eh? You'll be preaching and showing your lifestyle as much you love him. And he'll be ruling. And when he returns, he will literally rule and you and I will literally serve. What a glorious time. What a glorious day. We finish with these scriptures now. Malachi. This is the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. Behold I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold he shall come saith the Lord of hosts. And who may abide in the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Notice this. He says, John the Baptist is coming. And the messenger of the covenant is coming. Jesus behind him. And John's preaching and Apollos is searching. And he's saying, Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. Then he sees the messenger or, or, or the, the, the one before the, the Lord coming. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Repent and believe the gospel. I must get ready. He's coming, he's coming. And by faith, he took a step of faith and believed the word of God. In all its bareness. In all its fullness. And yes, even to some it may seem foolishness, but he believed it. Then suddenly, Jesus came. Jesus enters the scene. The messenger of the covenant. See, he's coming, the messenger of the covenant, the Lord Jesus is coming. John the Baptist preached him. John the Baptist baptized him. John decreased, the Lord increased. Apollos heard about it. And then, of course, we hear the rest. That we know he hears the word of God, searches the scriptures, see these things are so, Bible prophecy is fulfilled. And he's saved. The next time in the Lord's will, we're going to look at him again. And he's fervent in his spirit. And he, these two come along and start teaching him. I'm going to open up the Greek words of art because you need to, to show you. Start saying to him, that was tell you about Jesus. I want you to know more of him. I want you to know more of him. We trust that the ministry of this house will be that. That people will know Christ first. Love him first. Follow him first. And they would know more of the Savior. God bless us this morning. Time's flowing. Thank you for your attention. I wanted to try and get it to that point. I could have finished a few minutes earlier, but I wanted to get to that point. That means now I'll know where I am. I'll be able to work more at that for another, another morning. Then.